Good morning, Grace Church. Y'all sounded great this morning during worship, so I believe you're wide awake and hungry and receptive to the Word of God this morning. Would that be a true assessment? Praise God. It's good to be back to be able to share God's Word with you this morning. So we're going to dive right into it on the subject of prayer, teaching us to pray. Today I want to uh, basically encourage you and give you some motivation as to uh, why I should pray. And for many years as a Christian, I thought prayer was an obligation, something like you had to do, like you had to brush your teeth. You didn't feel like it, but mom said you had to brush your teeth, you know, <laughs> or you have to take out the trash or you have to, there's certain disciplines that your parents, you know, were, were instilling within you and it really wasn't for your benefit, it was for their convenience. And sometimes I felt that way about God, it really wasn't for my benefit, uh, you know, because after all, that my prayers really change anything. Were my prayers really answered? And did it really matter if I prayed? You know, why should I pray for the lost? Isn't it God's will that all men be saved? So why should I have to pray for them? If it's his will for them to be saved, why aren't they just saved? You know, and isn't it God's will for the blessings and the joy and the peace of God to roll and to reign in our hearts and minds across the body of Christ and not just in the body of Christ, but for the body of Christ to be effective, to really be the, the light and the salt that we are called to be you know, uh, if that's God's will, why doesn't it just happen? There's many things in the Word of God we can see that it's God's will for it to be reality, for kingdom realities to be manifested here on the earth. And they will be manifested, and they can be, and they will be when we partner with God. He's looking for people that will stand in the gap and pray. People that will trust Him, put their confidence and, and, and trust in Him and petition Him and that, that his will be done here on the earth as it is in heaven. And so he's interested in teaching us to pray so that his will would be manifested, not only in our personal lives, but corporately across the body of Christ, and then the greater pictures across the globe that God's will be done, that the harvest be brought into the, into the kingdom of God, and, and God's will is completely manifested. Amen. So that's why we want to pray. It's not just a discipline. It's not just a religious exercise. It's not something we do because we're Christians. It's not something we do so that we don't feel guilty. It's not something we do to, so that we don't fear that our day won't go well if we forget to do it or we don't have, take the time to do it, but really just to be motivated from the heart that we really have a, that relationship with God that can be a spontaneous thing, and it, and it should be spontaneous. It's a discipline. And, and something that is to be spontaneous. Matter of fact, I'm more in favor of, of praying always with all manner of prayer, not just saying, well, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to pray for five minutes, or I'm going to pray for 10 minutes, or however, whatever your timeline is that you're able to spend time with God in prayer. But just to really have that ongoing dialogue with God. He's communicating with us, we're communicating with Him, and, 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 and the end goal is that His will be done. In Ephesians 6 and verse 18, the Apostle Paul, after he's spending some time teaching about the armor of God and the importance of being dressed in the full armor of God, he makes this statement. He says, I'm praying always with all prayer. I want to say all prayer. Amen. With all prayer and supplication in the spirit. So the idea that he says all prayer, I want you to recognize, I'm going to spend a few moments on this, but then get in, into more of the motivation to pray. But th there's a different types of prayer throughout the Word of God. When you teach God's Word, you'll discover that there's the, what we call the prayer of agreement. 
It's found in Matthew chapter 18, begins at verse 18. You're, you may be very familiar with it, but uh, it's, uh, it, it's what we call agreement when we come together. It says, and, and listen, uh, just look at how this begins. This is, uh, this is Jesus speaking. It says, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. But don't you just love it when Jesus begins with that? I'm assuring you of this. This is a truth. This is, how it's, this is what's going to happen. Next verse. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree, if two of you agree on earth, so we qualify, we're here on earth, we just need to get in an agreement with one another. Agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Two people on earth asking anything, asking anything that they ask, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done. It will be done. See, now some of you are looking at me like, well, are you sure? Because I tried that before and it, it, it didn't manifest. <laughs> what Jesus said, it will be done. It will be done. So that's what we call the prayer of, of getting into agreement with one another. I'll share this uh, one quick story. Uh, right after we moved into this building in 2005, we, I was teaching a series on, on prayer, and I was teaching on a Sunday morning on the prayer of agreement, and I was impressed by the Holy Spirit to invite the congregation to agree with me I said, I want you to agree with me. If you can't agree with me, just stay neutral. Don't doubt and don't push back. Just put it in neutral. But we're going to get into an agreement because we were needing $100,000. So let's be in agreement that $100,000 is going to manifest. We're going to have it. And we, I led the congregation in a prayer. And we prayed for that, and the rest of the service went on. And the, the Monday, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, I get a phone call, and a gentleman wanted to meet me for breakfast. And, with, and so I said, sure. Met the gentleman for breakfast, and he proceeded to tell me that I knew the gentleman, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. Matter of fact, I hadn't seen him in such a while. The, the time period that I hadn't seen him is when uh, he didn't even know we built the new church. He had been to our church previously at the old building down, on, down in Shillington, but he wasn't even aware of the fact that we had built this and moved into it. He woke up that morning and felt impressed to go to Grace Church, and he, asked, and he mentioned to his wife, he said, what, do, what would you think if I, about giving Grace Church $100,000? And she said, if that's what you feel the Lord wants you to do, I think we should do it. So they came to Grace Church that morning, went to the wrong building. They walked in. There's another church meeting there, but he said he could tell immediately it wasn't the right church, wasn't the same church. So I think he made a phone call or something, but he ended up here. And so at breakfast that morning, he told me that story. He said, so I'm here to give you $100,000. Amen. Agree. Just want to whet your appetite a little bit. There's other prayers of agreement concerning people getting saved and people being healed and so forth and so on. But I just thought that was pr pretty spectacular, that the timing of that when, you know, we said amen and then I get the phone call and, and his conversation with his wife, not knowing what was happening, not knowing what was taking place here at the church that we had prayed that. So God is at work. 
So that's just one example of the prayers of agreement. Uh, you'll read through scripture, you'll find out prayers of intercession where God is looking for people to stand in the gap. That's, for, that's when we pray for other people. We intercede for, our, uh, for those in positions of authority over us, our, our government, and we intercede for situations that we don't know all the details of, but we have it on our heart to pray, to petition God on behalf of someone else. Uh, so that's throughout the Word of God. We can get into more, more, more of that as time allows. But uh, one, one quick note on intercessory prayer, one caution, is that intercessory prayer for someone else is never to control them. Intercessory prayer is always for God's will to be manifested in their lives. Now, what I'm saying is that if you think someone's going in this direction and you feel that they should go this direction and you start praying for them to go in the direction that you feel they should go, well, you may be right or you may not be right. It's better if you just pray for them that God's will be manifested in their lives. God's will be done, not my will be done. And let God be the Holy Spirit. That's who he is anyway, right? And that's who we're not. And so let God be God when it comes to intercession. Prayers of thanksgiving, you participated in this morning. You're praising God, thanking God. But in, uh, in Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant, vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And so prayer and thanksgiving are, are just a beautiful partnership there. When you read the Psalms, it's just loaded with admonitions to be praising and thanking God and, and, and putting your petitions before him. Uh, you'll read through scripture, you'll find prayers of dedication and consecration. And when you consecrate yourself to the Lord, you're dedicating yourself to the Lord. This is a type of prayer that can be prayed over and over again as often as you need to. It's, it's saying, not my will be done, but your will be done. We don't pray all of our prayers, say, Lord, your will, not my will, but your will. When we pray most of our prayers, we go to the word of God and we discover his will, and then we petition him for his will to be manifested. So we, we know what we're asking for. But when it comes to the prayer of dedication and consecration, that's when it's okay to, to, to pray. When it's right to pray, not my will, but your will be done. It's for direction in life. For example, it's God's will that we go into all the world and to proclaim the gospel. But where do I go into the world? Where's your place to go into the world? That's where you say, Lord, I dedicate myself. I consecrate myself unto you. Your will be done, not my will be done, because I want to go to the most beautiful place there is, but you may want me to go somewhere else. So your will be done, not my will be done. So I'm going quickly on this, but we'll continue to, to, to cover back and forth over them. And then, of course, there's a prayer of faith that's recorded in Mark 11:24, where Jesus, again, is giving instruction here. And it's a beautiful verse. I encourage you to become familiar with it. Jesus is saying, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever things you ask, when, everyone say when, when you pray. When is when you pray? It's right now. Good answer. It's right now. It's the moment that you're praying. When you pray, believe you receive it. When do you believe you receive it? The moment you prayed for it. Not when it manifests a second later or 10 years later. You believe you received it when you ask him for it. And then you follow that up with prayers of thanksgiving and so forth and so on. But it's important that uh, we have this. And of course, every, every prayer needs to be, uh, faith is incorporated in any type of prayers that we are praying. 
Because you always want to believe that God is hearing your prayers, whether it be thanksgiving, intercession, and agreement, and so forth. But uh, I just want to quickly give those to you. There, there's others throughout Scripture, but uh, I, want, I want to get to this part. In Ephesians chapter 3, in verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do, what's the next two words? Say it like you see it and you believe it. So you realize it's God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly. There's one thing to go abundantly beyond what you expected. This is exceedingly abundantly. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, and it's according to the power that works in us. There we have that partnership with God. He is almighty God. He's able to do. All things are possible to him, uh, to him that believes. God's able to do those things. But God is also, he's, it's an interdependent relationship. He's, de he's dependent on us and we are dependent on him. He's looking for people that will pray. He's looking for people that will, that will come boldly before his throne and petition him according to his will and according to his word. And not only that, but I want to encourage you to develop, to grow into a, a mindset of God is able to do beyond what I can even ask or imagine. Establish your heart in, in, in verses like this. There's others in the scriptures, but establish your heart in this. So when... when, when you do pray when we pray that we're not feeling like we're talking God into something he really does not want to do or that he's not able to do. I'm not trying to convince God like I used to try to convince my parents for permission to do something. I'm, I'm not talking God into anything. God is more than ready. He's more than willing and he's more than able. Matter of fact, he's, he's, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what I can even imagine. And so when we start from that foundation, it gives us a far greater confidence to approach the very throne of God in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to let our requests be made known with thanksgiving, praying earnestly, continuing, continuing earnestly in prayer with thanksgiving unto him with a, with a confidence and an assurance that he's hearing us and that he is answering us. So I want us to uh, look at a story in... Uh, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, and in this particular story, Asa, who's, who's reigning in Judah at this particular moment, puts his request before God, it's a, and it's a, just a very powerful, powerful verse, and it's really, again, it's just really to... to, to, to create within us the mindset and the confidence and the assurance that as I am praying, that yes, God is real and God is able to deliver. And it's given me that confidence to go before him. But we have here in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, in, in the first eight verses that Asa uh, becomes uh, king. And in his days, while he was king, the, the land was quiet for 10 years, meaning there was peace and prosperity, ruling and reigning. Verse 2 tells us that Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And then it gives a, a list of the things he did to, to clean up from the previous king and, and, and get rid of things that needed to be gotten rid of. And if God's speaking to you about 
you know, getting rid of things you need to get rid of or stopping things you need to stop, remove things you need to remove, build things that you need to build. Just be obedient. But read those next several verses all the way through verse 8, the things that he did there. Verse 8 tells us that uh, during this time of peace and prosperity, they built and they developed, and also that he, he had an army of 300,000 from Judah. He, and Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. And then verse 9 and 10, even though Asa was doing the things that were good and right in the eyes of God, you know, he said that uh, they had rest on every side, they built and they prospered, it tells us that in verse 7, they built and they prospered, they had this fantastic army of security. Then in verse 9, it says, then Sarah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. So you think you have this really nice big army and you have this nice security of 300,000 all of a sudden. And in an environment, and in an environment where there's peace and prosperity and you are doing what is right unto the Lord. Asa was doing what he was supposed to do, what was good, what was right. There was peace and there was prosperity and here comes the enemy. Rid yourself of the mindset that I had this coming to me because I got in trouble or I didn't obey God or I didn't do this or I didn't do that. I'm not just saying that to throw a license out there for to live how you want to live, but there's too much in, 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 in the body of Christ where we always think, well, gee, this is coming at me because I'm not doing what's right. Asa was doing everything right. Peace and prosperity were ruling and reigning, but the enemy came against him. Jesus told us in the Gospel of John, he said, in this world you will have tests and trials, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And so Asa, who's been doing everything good and right as the leader of Judah, building up prosperity and peace and security with their military, all of a sudden they're being attacked by the enemy and there's over a million people, there's a million plus coming against them. In verse 11, it's where we want to look at, and this is where we get the lesson on prayer that I want to share with you this morning on, on giving you some principles from this particular verse that will help us, principles or give us guardrails to, to, uh, to put up no matter what type of prayer we're praying, whether it's, whether it's intercession, whether it's faith, whether it's agreement, whether it's consecration, whatever type of prayer it may be. But let's, let's look at verse 11. It says, And Asa cried out to the Lord, his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. In verse 12, the first part says, and so the Lord struck the Ethiopians. So God re replied and God answered their prayer. But let's look at the prayer more closely. And, and I want to share with you five, in, five principles here in, in, for guiding our prayer time as well. Number one, what I see in Asa's prayer is he cried out. Number one says that he cried out to the Lord God and said, 
Lord, it is nothing for you. That is magnifying the Lord. Magnify the Lord. He said, it's nothing for you, O Lord. What we want to do when we find ourselves being attacked, when we find ourselves in, in, in a situation that, that we need to be delivered from, we need to be, uh, come out of, a situation where we want to see uh, kingdom principles manifested over worldly principles, that, that we go to, go to the Father, it's always a good principle to begin with magnifying the Lord. Oh God, you are so good. You are wonderful. You are almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. I magnify your holy name, name above all names. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you for redemption. Thank you, Lord God, for restoration. And just continue to, to uh, take some time in magnifying the Lord and make declarations then like, like this. Say, Lord, it is nothing for you. Jeremiah said the same thing in 32 and, and 17. He said, there's nothing too hard for you. Mark 9, Mark 9 and 23 said that all things are possible to him that believes. And so you, you just begin to magnify the Lord. You speak of his goodness. You speak of the greatness of God. Uh, rehearsing past victories that, that, that were, where you had prayed and God answered that prayer. That's why I shared that little quick testimony with you about the, the prayer of agreement and $100,000 manifest. That's, that's a past victory. Don't want to just stay there. And then I, someone asked me, well, why don't you do that again? Because the Spirit of God didn't tell me to do it again. You can't just do it automatically. So if the Spirit of God, it was the Holy Spirit prompted to do that. He led us together, as it says in Matthew 18. I'm backtracking now. This is where the, where the Spirit of God leads you together and you agree together. So that was a Holy Spirit leading and a Holy Spirit agreement and Holy Spirit manifestation. All right. So, but you want to be magnifying the Lord. The psalmist declared, magnify the Lord with me. Magnify him. Now, when you magnify, I'm sure all of you have used a magnifying glass or you've used a, um, binoculars, but when you magnify something, you're not making the object larger. You can't make God bigger than he is. But when you magnify something, you make the object appear larger. And so when we're magnifying God, we're, we're spending time, we're focusing on him. And, and distractions are being blocked out. And we're magnifying God, and all of a sudden, he appears larger. He appears like, yeah, he's able to do this. You got this, God. You can do this. You can do this. I remember, I, re I rehearsed the victories in my life. I rehearsed the victories. I remember from the, the Bible stories that, are, that have been recorded. I remember David and Goliath, and I remember all these other victories throughout the Old Testament stories and victories in the New Testament prayers that were answered and so forth. And you begin to magnify God and, and reflect on his goodness and his possibilities and his ability. Now, all of a sudden, you, when you're doing that, now you you're may not even be aware of it, but now your faith is rising up. Now, all of a sudden, you have confidence. Yes, God, you did all that, and I know you can do it. You did it then, and you'll do it again. Amen. Amen. So you magnify. So spend some time when, you're, when you are praying. Just take some time to worship the Lord and, and to thank him for his goodness and his mercy. It really helps you block out distractions, and it stirs up your faith. Blocking out distractions and stirring up your faith by taking some time to magnifying God. Dwell on, on his faithfulness and so forth. So that's the first principle that I, that I see in this particular verse. He said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. <clears throat> and then he says, help us. Sometimes that's all the prayer you need. <laughs> help us. 
help me, God. And so what I see there in verse 11, when he's, when, after he's, he spends some time magnifying God, saying there's nothing too difficult for you, there's, there's, there's nothing too hard for you, help us. That's an attitude, a heart of humility. Asa, he was doing everything right. Things were going well. They were building the cities. They were building walls of protection. They were building gates. There was times of peace and prosperity. Everything's going well. And along with that, along with a season of everything going just right, everything's going your way, it's a, it's a very... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, it, it's, it's, it's a time where if it, that if you don't guard your heart, pride can come in. Ah, look what we've accomplished. Or look what I accomplished. Look how well things are going under my reign. I mean, the previous king, he didn't do so well. But man, I came in here and I got rid of everything. That, I got rid of all the high places. I got rid of the incense altars. And I, I got rid of everything that was not praising God, that was not glorifying God. And, and we're just really doing what's right. And you know, yes, things are really going well. And so you always want to be guarding your heart towards pride and always developing an attitude of humility, no matter what season of life you're in, what stage of life you're in, or what the circumstances are in your life, how much success you have and how much you're going to have, or what, it doesn't matter. You always want a heart of humility, and you never want to be too proud to petition God and to ask for his help. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, we're told that you do not have because you do not ask. Never be too proud to ask. Never be too proud to go before the Father thinking, well, this is too small of a thing, or I've got this. I got this, God. Thank you. I got it. I got it. You know, this last 10 years have been going well. I know there's a little hiccup here with a million people coming against us, but I got it. I got it. Well, you don't have to have it. You can give it over to God and say, God, nothing's too difficult for you. Come on over and, you know, asking you to manifest yourself and help. So always have a humble attitude, a humble heart, and be willing to seek the Lord no matter what the circumstances are in your, in your life. Go before him. So magnify the Lord's principle number one. Principle number two is always to be developing a heart of humility. Never being too proud to ask, not being arrogant, but humble, humble. Number three, if you read the prayer again here, he says, he cried out, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest. Everyone say rest. So our rest is to be in God. We're magnifying him. We, in humility, we come before him. We put our requests before him. We're also practicing putting our rest on him, resting in him. Or another word would, uh, that could fit there as well is, is to trust in him and to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Trusting in the Lord. The psalmist declared in Psalm 37 and verse 7 that, that, that we are to rest in the Lord, rest in him and feed on his faithfulness and just practice purposing to rest in him. I put my request before him. I'm petitioning him. I, 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 I put it before him. Now I'm going to rest believing that he heard me and believing that since he heard me, he's also 
answered me. I'm resting in that. I have that confidence in that, in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, these are principles for any and all types of prayers that, that, that we are putting before him, whether it's corporate prayer, coming together, having times of intercession. Pastor Vern announced, I think, I don't know if it was this morning or last Sunday, he announced about an upcoming uh, praise and worship and prayer night, uh, those types of e events that uh, go on, whether it be corporate events or whether it's you, between you and God. You and God. Just a quick side note here. Corporate prayers and intercession are powerful, but don't ever discount the fact that you alone in your prayer closet is equally powerful. It's not that one's better than the other. Corporate prayer is beneficial for the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. That personal prayer is good for you and your development of your life. So you want both. You don't just want to develop corporate prayers, but when I get by myself, I have no confidence. I can't pray. I don't believe God really hears me. I was guilty for many years looking for someone that was more spiritual than me to pray for me thinking that's what I needed. If it was a bigger issue than what I thought I could now I need someone more spiritual than me. But that's not, that's not true. You're a child of God. You have access to the throne of God. You can go boldly before the throne of God in the name of Jesus and then put your rest and your confidence in him. Put your rest and your confidence in him. So we're magnifying God. We're always remaining uh, humble before the Lord our God. We're, we're, we're no problems in God. I need your help in this situation. This is, my back's up against the wall, and I need your wisdom. I need your insight, and, and so I'm asking you for it. And then number three, I'm resting or I am trusting that you are coming through to me and for me or for us. Number four principle in the same verse. He said, uh, "Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you." And in your name we go. It's in your name that we go. So we always want to be, uh, every prayer that we pray is always in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not for Jesus' sake. I don't know if any of you in here pray that way or not, but some people pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Jesus is just fine. I don't know if you know it or not, but he was raised from the dead. He has his glorified body. He's sitting in the throne of heaven at the right hand of God the Father. He has no need. You don't need to be praying for Jesus. It's not for his sake. It's for my sake. It's for your sake. So we pray in the name of Jesus. And the reason we pray in the name of Jesus is because Jesus, who has no need, is seated at the right hand of God the Father, ever making intercession for the saints. Now, that doesn't mean that he's up there praying and interceding 24-7 for you and for you and for you and for you and for me and for people all over the globe. You say, I used to wonder, how could he do that? He's not there doing that. He's, he's, he has done the work of an intercessor, and his very presence at the, th at the right hand of God is his intercessory work because he's seated there. You can pray in his name. Yeah. He is interceding so that you can pray in his name. You see the difference? Three of you see it. The rest of you are like... <laughs> Jesus is not interceding 24-7 for the whole globe. 
in, in, in the sense of that he's actively praying and just, you know, petitioning the Father. His presence at, at the Father's right hand because of his redemptive work, that is his intercessory work. His intercessory work is done. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's finished. He interceded for you. Now you can pray. So the, the scripture saying, yes, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for the saints. His presence is, inter is the intercessory work. And so now I can pray in his name. Anyway, I digress, and I hope it didn't confuse you. So, but but the, the reason why I want to say that is that don't think that I don't need to pray and intercede because Jesus has got my back. He, he, got you, he has your back so that you can pray in his name. Prayer in the name of Jesus. In John 16, verse 23 and 24. I don't know if we have that one on the... I'm not sure I gave that one to the tech people or not, but I'll read it to you. John chapter 16. Twenty-three and twenty-four, Jesus said, "And in, the, in, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask, in, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full." So we are to ask in the name of Jesus. And the, the commission in Mark 16 and 17, we're to do the work of the, of the great commission. We're to do that in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Asa understood that as a man that was willing to, when, when he was under uh, attack, he would take some time and he would magnify the Lord. He was humble to petition God to ask him for his help. And then he said, we're, we're going to, we ask you for help. We're going to rest in you. We're going to trust you. And, we're, and, and we are doing this in your name. He says, and in your name. Now he's doing it in the name. He understood the authority of being in covenant with God. And it's in the name of Jesus that we as covenant children of God have the authority to do kingdom work and to petition heaven's throne in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So always pray your prayers in the name of Jesus. Number five, when, when he said, in your name, notice what he's saying here. He said, and in your name, we go against. Everyone say, we go against. Corresponding action is principle number five. Always have corresponding action. Don't ever adopt the attitude, well, you know, God's got my back and Jesus is interceding for me and, and, and so forth. But be actively engaged in kingdom realities and, 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 and praying as, as we have been taught to pray in the scriptures and that God wants us to be praying that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we are praying, we are also to follow that up with corresponding actions. As we go against this multitude, O Lord, you are, you are our God. Do not let them prevail against you. He's concerned about kingdom principles. And so we as, as covenant children of God, representing God's kingdom Heaven, heaven's kingdom here on the earth. We are here to represent it and we go against and we do what it's saying here is that we always have a corresponding action. James teaches, when James wrote his letter to, in, uh, to the church, he told them to, uh, to reminded them that faith without corresponding action, faith without works is, is a dead faith. It, it, it's, not, it's not 
helpful. It's not benefiting anything. And in Matthew chapter 7, we have the story of the wise man, the wise builder and the foolish builder. Now, the, the, the wise man um, heard the word of God and he had corresponding action and he built his house on the rock. The foolish man, of course, he heard the same word. He experienced the same circumstances, the same trials in life, the same rain, wind, and so forth. His house fell, and it's because the, 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 the wise man, he was a hearer, and he put in corresponding action to that which he heard. So in our prayer, we want to be magnifying God. We want to be humble enough to petition him, request and let our requests be made known. We want to put our rest and our trust in him. And we always want to go out in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his name, and to follow up with corresponding action. Whatever the corresponding action is always as the Holy Spirit is leading us. One quick little illustration again. It's an old story, but I've heard it a long time ago, and I used it several times. But there's a story of a, of a grandmother that went uh, to her grandson's home to... to, to to provide childcare for the weekend. And, and the little grandson was talking, when it was time for bedtime prayers, the grandson mentioned to his, to his grandmother that, that they had been praying uh, uh, for, there was, a, there was a, a, they called them adult bookstores. I don't think you should call them adult bookstores. It was an X-rated pornography shop just a few blocks from their house. And they had been praying that that shop would close down and said, we've been praying for this for quite a while. So that night, grandma prayed with him for the shop to shut down. And the uh, next morning, they saw on the news that the shop burned down. <laughs> the little boy is a little bit perplexed. He said, Grandma, he said, um, we've been praying for a long time for that to shut down. And last night, you prayed for it. And last night, it burned down. She said, Grandson, you have to put feet to your prayers. <laughs> <laughs> So put feet to your prayers. Stay humble. Petition God with boldness and with confidence. He's able to do beyond what you can even ask or imagine. He really can. I'm encouraging myself in this as much as I'm encouraging anyone else. Because God really does want to do, and he desires to do beyond what we are able to do. He gives us the desires of our hearts. But so many times we hold back and we sell ourselves short we, because of a guilt or religious spirits. And we think, well, you know, that's just my desire. Well, I believe God gave you your desire. If you're walking with him, you're worshiping him, you're a child of God, God deposits desires within you. And then he manifests those desires in and through your life. So develop that loving relationship with God and, and just practice these principles from 2 Chronicles chapter 14 and verse 11, the five of them in there, and to help you and inspire you no matter what situation you're in, praying alone, praying corporately, whatever it may be, just know that God is with you. Amen. He loves you more than you can imagine, and he wants to do more than you can imagine through you, not just through other people. And he wants to do more than you can imagine through this local church right here called Grace Church. He's done some great things over the years, but there's many, many more great things to come. Only just begun. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing grace. Thank you so much, Father God, that creator of heaven and earth, in heaven's throne, and Jesus being seated at the right hand 
We thank you, Lord God, that we, as people, born again, children of God, have the awesome privilege and responsibility to come before you in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, and let our requests be made known. The Apostle John wrote that when we pray according to your will that you hear, and that when you hear, you answer. And he mentioned that this is a confidence that we have as children of God. So Father, stir up and, and, and build, help us to build a confidence that you are the Lord our God, an awesome God, that you do hear and that you do answer prayers this day in Jesus' name. You are still, still the miracle worker. You are still the awesome provider. You are still the one that leads, that guides, and provides. You're still the one that makes the way where there seems to be no way. You're the one that restores the brokenhearted, opens the blind eyes and the deaf ears. You are the one that forgives us of all our iniquities, heals us of every disease, redeems life from destruction. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Have your way, Lord God. Work among us, Lord, as we purpose to uh, come together and, and to grow in our relationship with you, in our, in our prayers, in our corporate prayers, as well as in our personal prayers, Lord. May you take us to a height that we never experienced before, perhaps haven't even imagined it before, because we just set limits on ourselves. Father, take off every ceiling and just open up the heavens to us, Father. Open our eyes that we're able to see and to comprehend the beauty of your holiness, the magnificence of your power and your glory. To you be all the praise, the honor, and the glory. Father, I thank you you're still the one that's forgiving and bringing people into the kingdom of heaven. Our sins are washed away through our faith in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Thank you for it. Before I close, I want to take a moment. Perhaps you're in here this morning with me or you're watching us online. If you're in here today and you never received Jesus, you never made it personal. You never made him the personal Lord of your life. You've heard about the goodness of God, the love of God. You've heard about John 3:16, how God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Only four things we need to know. There's that God loved you and God gave his son for you. Those are the first two things. The second two things is that you believe it and you receive it. You're saying, well, Pastor Ray, I do believe it, but I never, I, I've never taken an action step. I've never made that commitment to receive him as personally into my life and receive the gift of everlasting life. If you'd like us to pray with you this morning, we'd love to pray with you. Just slip up your hand real quick, boldly and high. Anyone in here at all this morning? Say, yes, I want to make that commitment. I do believe it, and I do want to receive eternal life today. Anyone at all? All right, I don't see any hands raised. So I believe you've done that. So we praise God that we're all born again in the family of God. But go out and continue to share the good news of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. It was so good to see you. So good to share the word of God with you. Looking forward to seeing you next Sunday morning. God bless you.